Welcome to the PMPA Speaking of Precision podcast, featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller and Miles Free. Hello, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles podcast. Carly Kistler-Miller has joined me today, and we are going to discuss the essential question, what can I do today that will make the most money for my company? Welcome, Carly. Well, thank you, Miles. And this is going to be a great topic to discuss because we should be really asking this every single day. Well, that's why it became an article. I actually had that note on my bulletin board when I was the metallurgist at a steel plant. Mm -hmm. And it was how I, I don't use a calendar, as you know, but it was how I organized my day. What was the most important thing to work on? And in that culture, it was what brings in the most cash, Mr. Free. Aha. Actually, it reminds me of a story I read, and I'm going to kick myself because I can't remember the player, but since he was a kid, he woke up and said every day, what can I do today to get into the NBA? And he did. (laughs) (laughs) So he must have been doing something every day. Focus. Focus. Focus and execution. You've got a goal, and... And right. you, you work towards it. So, all right, so let's start discussing. What, what's one of the first things you can do today? So the, I think there's a distinction between what can I do immediately that generates cash and what can I do, what should I do to create the most value? And we're talking about money, but there's a difference between money, cash, and value. So hear me out. I'm listening. Our safety program is probably the biggest potential liability to our companies if we fail to maintain it. That's true. Now more than ever. Now more than ever. The reconciliation bill that just came through the House multiplied the penalties for willful and repeat violations by a factor of 10. $5,000 became... $50,000 per violation. Oh, oh, ouch, ouch. $70,000 became $700,000. If you're a $4.9 million media NAICS 3.32721 company, you can can afford what, five? No, I don't think so. No, affording one might be a little... A little challenging. So I'm, I'm thinking you're saying something about safety should well, be on our list here. Safety, I, I believe, you know, Judge Gary at U.S. Steel coined the term safety first. It was the first item on every agenda at every meeting at U.S. Steel. And uh, I think it's the first thing that we need to talk about because uh, if we have a, a, a competent, well-done safety program, uh, we're going to have fewer accidents, reduce accidents, maybe we'll be an accident-free workplace. We'll have effective systems and processes. Our workers won't be hurt. Our performers won't um, be injured or on on workers' comp. Um, It just, to me, it, it creates an annuity of money not given to the regulators or the healthcare or the workers' comp officials. Right, so kind of along the lines of penny saved a penny earned. So it, it's a preventative. You can make more money with the safe environment and happy workers 
uh, you got happy, healthy workers. Now you can be productive as well, and all that yep. is, is built on the safety. Safe, sustainable, <laughs> stable, right? Right. Okay. So um, if you're a manager, if you're a manager, if you're an employer, I mean, you have an obligation, general duty under OSHA, you know, 3A or 4A, um, you know, to maintain a safe workplace. And uh, you know your, your shop, you know your environment, you know your performers. So, um, you know, are you doing those inspections? Is everybody familiar with lockout, tagout? What about uh, slips and falls and walking, working surfaces? I mean, I, this isn't supposed to be a safety podcast, but uh, the safety, if we lose our safety, <laughs> we will be spending monies we don't have budgeted. Right. No, that's smart. So safety first. What's second on your list here? On my list, it's actually running the production equipment. Oh, well, yeah, that, that is important. It does help a, a, a machine that's not working. It's not making any money. Right. Early in my MBA career, not NBA, folks, <laughs> MBA, uh, I was asked to visit a shop, and that shop said that they wanted my opinion about whether they could use activity-based costing, and it would help them. So I went down to the shop, and they had, I think they had probably 50 primary machines. Okay. And maybe six were working. What? Well, this was in the early part of the century, right? Oh, oh, four or oh, five or oh, oh, six, actually. And most of their high volume parts went to China. But the OEM that they had really locked in most of their work and been their primary supplier still gave them those four or five parts that even China couldn't make. Wow. They didn't need activity-based costing, Carly. Mm. They needed activity. They needed activity. <laughs> they needed activity. <laughs> so we, have, we buy our machines, and the first thing we look at is what's their capacity, what's their capability. You know, when I took over a steel plant, the first thing I did was go out and look at the nameplate on the motors, how many horsepower, right? Right. What, if, if I don't know the horsepower, I don't know the load. If I don't know the load, I don't know the product. I, so I want to do that. How many of our primary machines, how many of your primary machines are operating above 50% of nameplate capacity? Uh, yeah, no, that, that's an important thing to consider. How many of your primary machines are operating above 50% of actual scheduled time? And no, yeah, and there's a lot of challenges that go into that, right? There's oh, all I mean, right now it's inflation, it's supply chain, it's it, it tariff. Tariffs are still an issue, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so we've got tariff rate quotas. So if you can find the material, uh, you know, it's 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 more expensive. You're you're not competitive compared to the rest of the world, and now you're just letting your machine sit there and not make anything out of the material that you're paying more for. It's just, I don't know. Well, it's like you always say, we're actually not selling parts, we're selling machine time. 
Well, that's that's exactly that's exactly right. Whoever told you that? Hey, I'm that, crediting you. That is all you. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, so, if we were face to face, dear listener, I would ask you. So, what are your top three causes of downtime? Is it you have really good coffee in the lunchroom? Is it that your people have to go the length of the shop to get the flipping replacement tools because you don't have a vending machine out in the operating department? Is it, I mean, what, is, what are your top three? And, and you may only have three, but one of those is 80% of your downtime. What's 80% of your downtime worth? How many machines, <laughs> how much dollars per machine hour? Thank you very much. Translate into money. Right. Safety first. Now get they're your, working safely, get them working. Now get them working, right? Get that machine <laughs> get machinery working. working, right. All right, so we've got the safety. We've got them working. What's next? You know, I'm going to say it's, it's quality. I'm going to say okay. it's quality. So we could argue that part of the machine downtime is set up, and we'll get into setup reduction. But if we identified our quality problems and then made them go away forever, mm. we've created an annuity of revenue that we aren't losing, aren't bleeding every day for the rest of our operation. Found time, which equals found, found money. Found time, eliminated waste. Yeah, happier customers, happier customers give bigger orders more often. Well, even happier workers are not getting frustrated because they keep hitting the same wall. Right, exactly right. So we used the eight disciplines, the 8D problem-solving process throughout my career. And, you know, this is, I, if you'll forgive me, I'm going to brag. Please do. I, I'm going to brag. I can name you issues that I made go away forever. Yeah. Made go away forever because I got to the root cause, documented the root cause, published the root cause, and so nobody in any of our other plants ever had a problem like this. And, and so it's like, you know, kill it dead, stake it, put garlic around it, silver bullet, and then, you know, mirrors facing it before you bury it. How well, many of those can you name, right. podcast listeners? That's important. And, and the key, what I really heard out of you, is not only to find it, but to broadcast it. Because right. just because you know it doesn't help everyone. Right. And, and that's part of PMPA's Better Together, right? right? When we solve a problem, you know, when we ask the problem on the listserv, and then other people contribute to the solution. And then when the solution is announced and declared, discovered that it was effective, now the entire community knows, hey, for this situation, that solution, it doesn't come back. No heartburn. No heartburn. And those costs, that wasted time, the wasted expense, the frustration, all that, you know, goes that, away. It, it's now on the positive side of your ledger, not the negative side. So identify quality problems and solve them forever. Don't just put a Band-Aid on it. Right. Don't just, well, we got through this. Find the root cause, identify that root cause, and then make it go away. 
You've got to be able to do that. And when you do it, I mean, it's a wonderful thing. You don't get repeat complaints from customers. You don't have repeat claims and allowances on, on your books. Ignoring it doesn't make it go away. No, and it, it, you know, sometimes when the challenge is really hard, you want to say, oh, we'll figure that out later. But figuring it out now could save you money in the long run. Well, it could actually earn you the, the next order because if you don't solve it, the next order is going to come. The problem's going to be back. Now your people go into uh, level three, you know, inspection. You've got to, you know, no, no. Fix it, find it, kill it dead. Okay, so you're definitely on point with the quality. What else? Well, um, I'm still going to push setup time to the, to the end. I think, and especially post-COVID, I think we forgot that our customers are human beings. Oh, not just faces on a screen, letters They're, in an email. I never bought a car because their ad said, Zoom, Zoom. <laughs> And I don't think anybody's buying screw machine parts or CNC parts or ventilator parts because you give good Zoom. They want to be connected, interpersonal connection. They want to feel that, that, that you understand them, their point of view. They want to see what magic your people can do. You've, you're, you're doing magic. I mean, if it wasn't magic, they'd do it. Right. Right? You know, you start talking about some of this GD&T stuff, it might as well be magic for most of us, right? <laughs> Gosh, it's yes. magic. You guys can do it. I mean, why not connect with your customers? A little FaceTime. FaceTime, in person. Yeah. In person. Absolutely. No, I think that's a great idea. You know, uh, I think people are hungering for it, too. I, I think so. And, and you know what? Um, Take your employees along. Take your performers. You know, let the, let the shipper see what the receiver has to do to open your box of parts. Right. Or if you're a steel company, what, you know, what they look like when they arrived at the shop. We didn't pack them like that. Well, right? Well, plus it shows your customer this is how much you care about them. I want you to, to meet the faces behind the scenes to see what kind of care we're going to give your your part. Absolutely. I, I think it, it builds trust, it builds faith, it builds confidence. And quite frankly, I, I just think that, you know, a lot of people make the mistake of thinking we're in the parts business. Yeah. We're in the satisfaction business. And part of that satisfaction is really being comfortable human to human, human use of human beings. And our, 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 our people, I almost said guys, and I've been in shops where there are guys, but there's also gals that are making some great parts. Um, the bottom line is their technical skills are good, but their human skills, their commitment, their discipline, their follow through, their, their practice, it's their human skills that make them the A players, not just that technical stuff. So human use of human beings, it's the same thing with your customers. Go see your customers. Yeah. Invite them in. Let them see the magic. You're doing magic. I think that's a great idea. Share the magic. That's a great idea. Okay. 
you keep talking about reducing setup time. Are we going to get to that now? Well, let's go to the let's, reducing setup time. Let's just attack it, shall time. we? Let's, <laughs> let's just do it. So um, how many production hours do you lose in a day because of setup? So, you know, uh, are you high mix, low volume, or are you low mix, high volume? Low mix, high volume, you may be able to invest more time in a setup because that machine's then going to produce parts for the next 10 days. If you're high mix, low volume, you may not get to run that machine all day. You may only get a couple hours and then you need to change. Obviously, an extra hour of setup makes a difference. Is 12.5% of an eight hour day. It can be critical. It could be 10% of a 10 hour day. And by the way, you're still paying the bills, even though you're not under, under load on that machine. You've still got your fixed costs and you've got, you know, just you've still got to recover costs and setup. We're not getting paid for setup. We're getting paid for delivering parts, first time quality yield. So definitely looking into reducing setup time. Well, if you absolutely. So, I mean, if you can save eight hours of setup time across all your machines for a week, you just bottom shift of machine time. That's right. That's true. Right? Yeah. Right? I didn't think if of it like that. You can save 16 hours of setup time across all your machines. <laughs> and how many mach primary machines do you have? Right? 20? 30? I mean, Adds up quickly. I mean, it's, it's capability. You don't have to pay a note. <laughs> you're not paying. For, you're already, you have this capability. You have this capacity. It's not like you have to go out and make a new investment. It's an investment you've made. Collect the dividend, reduce your setup time. And that doesn't just mean on the machine. No? No. What good is it to have the machine set up ready to go and you're waiting two hours for the quality department to get the gauging set? Oh, so that's part of the reducing yeah, I mean, how do you know that the machine's set up? i got to wait. Too. So you could have three hours of, quote, setup time. The, the crew on the machine could have it all set up, ready to go in 45 minutes for waiting two hours for the quality department to get the gauges set up. Because we can't prove the part. I mean, we could take it into the lab, but that just proved that one part. That didn't prove our processes. Good, good to go. So we've just lost three hours, and two of them weren't fault of production. And I'm not blaming quality, but have we looked at, have we identified, have we identified every, every place where there's wasted time in our preparing to produce product for our customers? Look for the inefficiencies everywhere. 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 Nice. That makes total sense. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Anything else? You know, there is, and you can laugh because, you know, I'm the guy that rode horseback to school uphill both ways in the Brother. winter as an old guy. <laughs> but um, computer security, it's a thing. And it's not just a boomer thing. It's a, this is a problem for all of us. Yeah, all of us. It's becoming a bigger and bigger problem. It, it is. So how good is your computer security? And 
Yes, I said computer security. I did not say CMMC. I did not say NIST, whatever the heck the numbers are, version current, whatever. But the fact of the matter is we live in a very hostile cyber environment. We're making mission critical parts, human failure, you know, human danger if our parts fail. Uh, there's a lot of valuable information in that. Uh, we really need to lock our security uh, processes down to control our intellectual property and to make sure that our machines don't get hacked. And not just that, I mean the customer database. People will just go looking for that data so that they can sell it to, mar to lists and marketers. I mean there's so much valuable information on our computers, on our systems, and uh, you know, Dave Seabrook from Micron and Rich Henning from, from Henning Software, they were doing sessions on ransomware like four or five years ago, and everybody thought it was, uh, now everyone wants to hear it. Everyone wants to hear it because it, it's happening. We're living in the wild, wild west, really, of the Internet, because, and you can't see them coming. You can't see them coming, and thank you for bringing it back around to our to our, the reason for this podcast, which is we will make the most money for my company. If I'm paying ransomware, if I've got to go out and buy Bitcoin off my friendly local Bitcoin aficionado. Oh, gosh. You know, I mean, uh, this, right. is, this, is, this is not a money-saving, money-making kind of scheme. So obviously, uh, computer security, cybersecurity, training your people, uh, Letting your people know when you go that you are not, when you're going on a trip. Let's say you're going to go to the SHOT Show next year. Okay, before you go, you probably ought to tell your people that if they get an email from you saying, I really need you to go to Walmart and buy 15 gift cards for 500 bucks a piece, put it on the company credit card, not to do it. That's true. That actually happened to us. I know. I know. Oh, my gosh. I forgot about that. That did. That happened to us. We were away. And somebody, yeah, who, and it could have been legit. It could have totally been, we could have justified why that was. But still, we questioned, and thank goodness we did, contacted the person who, in quotes, sent it to us. And he said, uh, no, I did not send that to you. So, yeah, it, it's, it's happening on a personal level, but it's definitely happening on a corporate level. That's where the money can be made if they can, they can hold your data, your data. Yep. What can I do today to make my company the most money? So we've got safety, and we have keeping the machines running and quality, FaceTime with your customers, reducing setup time, and computers, computer security for the company. I think, Miles, that's, you're right, that's something that has to be considered and improved every day. Yeah, I, I, and, and frankly, Carly, this is just a good start. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is just a good start. And listeners, I ask you, what did we fail to put in this that should have been on this list? Send us an email. Give us a call. And let us know the area we missed when we tried to answer the question, what can I do today that will make the most money for my company? Because that's important for our company. It's important for us to achieve our highest and best use. It's important for our customers to get the best value with the least waste. 
And quite frankly, if we're going to be competitive in a world where we're handicapped with tariff rate quotas and increasing regulatory penalties and higher taxes and just, you know, hackers, and it's, we all need to pull together. That's right. It, it actually goes back to what you're saying. If you found a solution to something that can help everyone else, we definitely want to hear about that. Absolutely. So don't be bashful. Call or email Carly or myself at PMPA. We'd love to have your, your input on this. And that wraps up today's podcast on what I, no, what you can do today that will make the most money for your company. Thank you for joining us. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org where you can also search for articles, webinars, podcasts, and visit our knowledge centers. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You know why? Because you don't want to miss one. And if you aren't already taking advantage of PMPA membership, be sure to check out our site at pmpa.org to see all we have to offer. That Knowledge Center thing, I had no idea we had so much, so much stuff to it, There's so much on there, and, and we're adding weekly, sometimes daily. There's, it's a great resource. Well, that explains why PMPA membership is important, doesn't it, Carly? It does. And that and is because, because we, we are, are better, better together. together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles.